Amen, amen. Well, Pastor Hyden here, and I'm so glad you joined us today here at Walk Church as we jump back into our study through the book of Ruth. We've been on this journey. This is actually the fifth installment in our series through the book of Ruth, and we're finishing up chapter two today. So if you have a copy of God's word, and I hope you do, I wanna invite you to turn with me to Ruth chapter two. If you're hungry, come on somebody, let's do it again. Say, let's eat, right? Let's eat. We're eating from God's word. Man doesn't live off of bread alone, the physical bread, but we need words from God. We need the spiritual bread uh, from this book here today. So if you got a phone with an app on it, if you got a copy of God's word, come on, let's, let's look and let's read together, starting in Ruth chapter two, verse 17. Let's eat. Come on, tell somebody if you're around them right now, tell them, let's eat. Father, as we get ready to eat your word, bless it, prepare it, speak to us through it. God, we want to see you glorified. God, we want to see lives transformed. God, I pray you would make the gospel clear. And God, I pray you would draw people to repentance. Show us something through this. Change us. Change me here through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' fame, amen, amen. We're picking it up in verse 17, all right? Here we go, Ruth chapter two, verse 17. So she, speaking of Ruth, gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Verse 18 says, she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law, that's Naomi, right, saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her the food she had left over after being satisfied. Verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and, and said, the, the, the man's name with whom I work today is, come on, drum roll, please, Boaz, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Verse 21 says that Ruth, the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, amen? Come on, say that with me. It is good. It is good. It's good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. I want to preach a message to you this morning uh, through the title that I've called Kindness is contagious. Kindness is contagious. If you're around somebody in your house right now or wherever it is that you're watching this, just go ahead and tap them on the shoulder. You know, don't, don't, don't be aggressive. Just, just a little gentle tap and say, kindness is contagious. Can I hear an amen? Can I, can I see it in the comment section? Kindness is contagious. You might not get anything else from this sermon, though I hope you get more than that. But if you, if you get anything, just remember this. Kindness is contagious. Amen? Comes from Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. It says, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken 
the living or the dead. In this text, the subject that is in view in this section is actually God himself and his kindness. And his kindness is on display through a person. His kindness is at work through Boaz. But I would say this, that we've seen God's kindness not just here, but all throughout the story of Ruth up to this point. And I want to give you three points today about God's kindness through the story of Ruth up to this point. And so let's go ahead and lean into the first point here together. The first thing I want you to see is that God's kindness is, is found in our distress. God's kindness in distress. Now that may sound a little bit strange, but I don't want to just jump head first into here and and forget aimlessly what we've walked through already. God's kindness met Ruth and Naomi and Boaz here, even in distress. Distress by definition means great pain, anxiety, or sorrow. Dictionary.com defines distress as a state of extreme necessity or misfortune. I'll tell you what, when I hear the word misfortune, when I hear the words anxiety, or sorrow, or great pain, I just tend to think of this journey of Ruth and Naomi up to this point. I mean, let me just give you a quick history lesson on the last two chapters, especially if you're joining us for the first time, you need this context. Right at the beginning of Ruth chapter one, we see this famine hit the land of Bethlehem. A famine just means that there's no more food. It's dried up. There's no more food in the land. And what happens is, in a, in a moment of of, of chaos in a moment of difficulty, Elimelech, the husband at the time of this lady named Naomi, takes his family and their two sons and they go to a land that God discouraged them to go to called Moab. When it gets tough, don't leave. Actually trust. And they, they didn't trust. They left and they found themselves in this foreign city, pagan city called Moab. It's in this decade of a journey in Moab that These two sons take Moabite wives. Not long after that, the husband, Elimelech, dies. And after that, we see the first son die, then the second son die. And then now we find this lady named Naomi stranded in Moab, and she has her two Moabite daughter-in-laws. One Moabite daughter-in-law leaves and goes to her home. Her name was Orpah. The other daughter-in-law was named Ruth. And Ruth, by faith, shows kindness to Naomi and says, wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. Whatever you do, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to put my faith in your God and I'm going to trust in him and I'm going to be a part of the community of God wherever you go. And so Naomi says, well, I'm going back home. I'm going to go get that bread because Bethlehem is the town and the land of bread and God is bringing favor to Bethlehem in this season. And and they say, we're going to go jump in the favor. And so they make their way back And you would think that maybe they'd be met with this warm welcome by the people in Bethlehem, but we find that it was a cold welcome. It wasn't a a, a warm greeting. It wasn't a, Naomi, we've waited for you. We've missed you. And look at your friend, Ruth. We'd love to invite y'all over for dinner. It was more so like, what happened to you? Right? They say, Naomi, is that, can that be Naomi? Right? And Naomi's response was cold in, in itself, right? Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore. I don't even want to go by that name. And that name Naomi was the Hebrew name for pleasant. 
Naomi here is saying, hey, I'm not pleasant anymore. I'm not pleasant to be around. I don't look pleasant. I don't feel pleasant. I don't smell pleasant. I've been on this exhaustive journey from Moab to Bethlehem. She says, actually, call me Mara. Do me a favor. Call me Mara. Mara was the Hebrew translation of the word bitter. So we find Naomi in a state of bitterness. In other words, she knows the pain of distress. She, she understands that pain. And, and that's where we left it off, right? The last time we saw Naomi, we saw her in a place of bitterness. She wasn't talking much. They didn't have protection. They didn't have food. She had no more family here that she could think of or recall upon. And now she has this daughter-in-law named Ruth. But I love how Ruth has optimistic faith. Ruth, though she's a foreigner, though she's a Moabite, she says, look, I gotta go make something happen by faith. She gets up, she says, look, I gotta go get some scraps. God's gonna show us favor. She makes her way into this random field and she believes God for a blessing. She believes that God's gonna give her a divine appointment and just by going by faith, God does that. She wounds up in Boaz's field and has this conversation with Boaz. Last week, we looked at how Boaz invited her to eat with her and dip her bread in the same wine bowl that he was dipping his bread in. And he, he introduced her to community and he provided favor for her to get all types of grain and, and harvest. And that's where we left it off. So look at me now with uh, verse, two, two, verse 17 and 18, chapter two. This is where we pick it up. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She, she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. Let me go ahead and highlight that first part of verse 17. Right? She gleaned in the field until evening. So she was working hard. She was putting that work in all the way up until the later parts of the night. And she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. An ephah was about 22 liters of grain. This was nearly 50 pounds of grain. Somebody say, that's a whole lot of grain, right? She was going to be eating granola for days, amen, right? She, she, she got fed. She got full. She, 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 she came back with this, this great amount of Food. The CSB Study Bible says that this was enough grain to feed a working man for several weeks in just one day of work. I want to just remind you that God's kindness never left these two women of God. Even though they were in distress, right? Ruth, by faith, still was able to experience God's kindness. I mean, think about this for a second. Last time we heard Naomi speak, she said, when I left Bethlehem, I left full. But when I came back to Bethlehem, I came back empty. Well, well, isn't it just of God to show you Ruth? When Ruth left that morning, she left empty. But come on, somebody, when she came back that night, she came back full, right? She comes back with this ephah of barley and says, Naomi opens this door wherever they were staying and says, Look at all of this food, right? She came back full. God's kindness followed even their distress. Psalm 107 verse six says, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. That's a good word right there. When you're experiencing trouble, that's a, that's a push, that's a nudge. 
That's a remedy to, to, to call upon the Lord. That you can call upon his name, cry out to his name. He delivered them from their distress. Friend, if you're experiencing distress right now, I can understand why. We're in the mix of a pandemic, right? There's a racial divide in our nation and it is causing much pain. I don't know about you, but I've, I've sensed just the feelings of distress this past week at high levels. And I just need to be reminded from God's word that God's kindness is still near when we're sensing distress. Second Samuel 22, verse seven, the author writes, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I love that right there. To my God, I called. Right? You can call a whole lot of different people, but when you're distressed, the best person to call is the Lord and call him in prayer because he hears when we do that. It says, from his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. Can I just go ahead and share something with you really quick? Come on, lean into this moment. I wanna just speak something to you just for a moment. Friend, if you are feeling distressed, if you are feeling depressed, if you are feeling oppressed, if you are feeling suppressed, let me just remind you that God's kindness will still meet you right where you're at. Right now, that's why I wanted to give you that history lesson of root chapters one and two to just show you that, hey, the Bible doesn't hide darkness, right? You would think that maybe the Bible would just tell the greatest happily ever after stories, but actually the Bible brings you into pain, like you can have real, very real pain and you can find relationship in this book. And you can also find a God that meets people in their pain. God's kindness finds them in their distress. And I just wanna encourage you to bring that to him today. The second point that we see when it comes to God's kindness is that God's kindness is found in desperation. Come on, say that with me. God's kindness in desperation. Desperation by definition is having an urgent need or desire. When you think about having an urgent need or desire, you think about Ruth and Naomi, right? They make it back to this land that they haven't been to for a decade. In fact, Ruth has only heard about Bethlehem. She makes it back and there's not much support. We don't know where they're living. We don't know if they have a place to stay at all. We know that they probably didn't have much food as to why Ruth in her desperation says, I just gotta go get some scraps. I'm not a reaper, I'm a foreigner, but what I can do is maybe I can glean and trust that the Lord is gonna look out for us. It's this, this, this sense of desperation that is met with God's kindness. Look at it with me in verse 19. It says, her mother-in-law said to Ruth, said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today. As if the authorship of the book of Ruth is just having you hang upon this, this cliffhanger right now. Who was it? What field were you at? His name was Boaz. I wonder if that in that moment, Naomi's just jaw dropped or maybe she had this nostalgia or this memory in, in Boaz, Boaz, my relative Boaz, 
You were in his field? Of course, because God's kindness tends to meet us in our desperation. A good word to describe Ruth up to this point would be desperate. Friend, here's what I want you to see about Ruth. Ruth not only had optimistic faith. Come on, somebody. Ruth had desperate faith. I love what I see in Ruth's life that, that yes, she had this optimism about her. I'm going to follow you, Naomi. We're going to go wherever you want to go, and God's going to lead us. They find themselves in Bethlehem. Ruth is the one that gets up and says, I'm going to go glean in the field. Naomi says, go do what you got to do, my daughter. Right? Ruth is the one who engages in conversation with humility, who asks to glean in the field. She's saying, hey, look, I'm Ruth and I'm desperate. I have an urgency about me. I have a desire about me. I'm going to go do this. I'm desperate. And I know that God's going to meet me because God leans into desperation. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I want to just go ahead and add to that. Desperate times calls for desperate faith. Friend, you, you, I, I'm sure you're like me. You're feeling this desperation that we're in right now. Come on. The, the season of 2020 calls for desperate faith. Maybe you'd be reminded of the the text in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, where God says, I'm not looking for, for cold. I, I, I'm looking for hot, right? I'm not looking for lukewarm. I'm looking for desperate faith. I love the fact that Ruth has this essence of desperation about her. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, I just felt, felt like this was a desperate prayer right here, Right? Talks about Hannah, how she was deeply distressed. There's a word again. And she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, Lord, oh, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant. I see her crying out with desperation. But will give to your servant a son I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. She just, she just prays this prayer of desperation. I remember hearing this sermon from an old revivalist out of England named Leonard Ravenhill. He says it like this. He says, I'm convinced of this. God doesn't hear prayer. God hears desperate prayer. He says thousands upon thousands upon thousands of prayers are prayed every single moment of the day and a lot of them stop at the ceiling because a lot of them aren't really believing with desperation that God could actually do the very things that we're praying for. Friend, I think we need to believe the prayers that we're praying as we pray them. It's called praying with desperate faith. Jim Cimbala says it like this. He says, desperate and soul-stirring prayers result in answers. When God is sought in desperation, he responds. I think there was just something about Ruth that morning that said, when I go out to the field, God's gonna meet me there and provide favor. I think there was something about Naomi when she said, I'm gonna go back home. It had to, I, think, I think Naomi had to get to this place of desperation 
before she could actually leave her Moab and go back to the bread. It was something about the desperation. God had to strip everything, every distraction, everything that was causing cloudy vision out of Naomi's life in order to mobilize her back to Bethlehem. It's something about desperate faith that gets God's attention and that invites his kindness into our life, amen? Right? Naomi's desperate. She goes back to Bethlehem. Ruth is desperate. She says, I'm going with you. Ruth is desperate. I'm going into the field. Boaz meets her right where she is at. It's called desperate faith leading to desperate action. It was in her desperation that God's kindness meets her in this place. And I just want to say this right now. And I, and, and, and I think that this word may land on you with a little bit of challenge. It may land on you with a little bit of sting, but that this may be the very thing that you need to go to the next level in your walk with Jesus. Some of you, your biggest problem right now is that you're just not desperate enough. I'll be honest with you. An entire pandemic could hit our nation and literally shut everything down and you still wouldn't read your Bible, right? You could lose everything in a moment and you still would pray mediocre, average, selfish prayers if you were to pray even at all. And, and, and maybe God dropped me into your world on this Sunday, June 28th, and. 20 just to tell you, you need to get your desperation back. If you want to see things change in your life, you need to get desperate faith. If you want to see things turn around, because some people go like this, right? They started in June 28th, 2019. They said, I'm right here. And and, and a year from now, I'm going to be here. And what they did was this. They moved, but they didn't go anywhere. Oftentimes, the, that, that's the result because you didn't have desperate faith. Desperate faith is that, God, I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to jump into this word. I'm going to eat from it. I'm going to breathe it. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to be in church, online, on time. I'm going to go to you, God. Even if I can just get the scraps, I just need more of you. God says, that desperation I can work with. I want to encourage you to lean into this season and go deeper in your desperation with the Lord. Maybe today you're saying, you know what? I just just haven't been experiencing God's kindness like I know I could. Maybe one of the reasons why you're not experiencing God's kindness at the levels you'd like to is because you're not experiencing desperation at the levels that you need to. God's kindness follows our desperation for him. The more desperate you get, the more dependent on God you get. The more dependent on God you get, the more you'll be likened to invite God into every area and aspect of your life. And friend, it's then when you do that, that you get to taste the kindness of God that we see on display in Ruth and Naomi's life in chapter two.
I like how Philip Yancey said it. He said, we are all desperate, and that is the fact that only that state is appropriate to a human being who wants to know God. It's only when we're desperate for him, friend, that we actually get to know him the way that he wants to know us. He wants us to get to know him. So I just want to encourage you, get your desperation back. Do whatever you have to do. Right? It's, it's that whatever it takes mentality. If you could get to this place where you say, hey, look, whatever it takes for me to be closer to Jesus, I'm gonna do it. That, that's my desire. That's my heart. I can't allow distractions to hold me back. I just gotta do it. I like how Denzel Washington, the actor, once said it. He just said, do what you gotta do so you can do what you wanna do. <laughs> do what you gotta do so you can do what you wanna do. That desperate faith leads to God's kindness. Come on, let's keep on reading. Let's keep on reading. Let's go into verse 20. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. This third and final action point of God's kindness is this, God's kindness in destiny. God's kindness in destiny. Destiny. So, so we've already seen God's kindness in desperation. We've seen God's kindness in distress. And here we're seeing God's kindness in our future destiny. This word destiny means the, the future ab- uh, ahead, the, the different events that are going to take place still to come. That's what destiny is referring to. And, and this is a point that we really see the kindness of God that is contagious, right? We see last time we saw Naomi, she, she announced herself as Mara. I'm bitter. But in this text, we see Naomi say, I'm blessed. Now, let me ask you this. How did we get from bitter to blessed? I think you, you get there because it was Naomi experiencing God's kindness, Right, because Ruth shows back up with all this grain, and now Naomi's like, man, we got, we got DoorDash from Ruth, right? We got, we got Grubhub from Ruth. She showed up with the food. And Naomi goes, hold up, my life is changing. Matter of fact, where did you get all this food? And, and now Ruth is saying, this guy named Boaz. And Naomi goes, I just changed. I just went from bitter to blessed. In one day, that could change. Friend, look at me. Everything can change through an act of kindness. The fact that Boaz showed kindness to Ruth literally affected the emotional well-being of Naomi. How did Naomi go from bitter to blessed? Well, it was, it was from the, the, the kindness of God displayed through Boaz, shown through Ruth's optimistic faith. God is all over this story, right? We see here that that the kindness of God had this contagious transformational effect on the characters in the story. It gets better. Let's keep on reading. Verse 20 finishes. It says, Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So let me just... Let me just double click on that phrase and highlight it. One of our redeemers. There, 
There's much more to come on this subject, so just make sure you stay tuned with us in the following weeks. But let me just scratch the surface a little bit of this phrase, one of our redeemers, or maybe one of your Bible translations says a family redeemer or a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer. This is what Naomi's referring to when she speaks of Boaz. The NIV study Bible says redeemer. It designates a group of close relatives responsible for getting family members out of difficulties, right? I love what Naomi says here. She goes, hold up, the picture is getting more clear. I'm starting to see it more in color. God's kindness is shaping our destiny. He put Boaz, a redeemer, in your life. You went to his field? Out of all the fields? It wasn't like Naomi said, hey, Ruth, if you take a left and then you go straight for about a mile and then hang a right, you're going to get to this cat named Boaz, his field. He's one of our relatives. He might show you kindness. If it was that, that would have removed some of the faith component. I think that would have removed some of the desperation. In fact, Naomi says none of that. She just says, go ahead. She doesn't give her any warning. She doesn't give her any gas money. She just says, go do what you got to do. Hopefully the Lord shows you favor. Well, he does. She winds up in Boaz's field. And now Naomi is saying, hold up, light bulb moment. God's kindness is shaping our destiny, right? He's one of our redeemers. He's one of the people that's going to be responsible for taking care of us, right? The fact that He's a relative of Elimelech who passed away. He still has this obligation to look out for his family. And I love that Boaz does just that. He's looking out for Ruth here. He's blessing her. God was on this move the entire time. Let's finish up this text as we finish up this sermon. 21 says that Ruth, the Moabite, said, besides... He said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it's good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. She kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Friend, let me just go ahead and tell you that if you can continue to have optimistic faith, if you can continue to have expectant faith, favor will follow your faith and God's kindness will meet you where you're at. You may be in distress. You may be in despair. You may be in discomfort. You may be feeling all types of different pain and angst, emotion. God's kindness will meet you there. One act of God's kindness can change your life. It did here for Ruth. It did here for Naomi. One divine appointment can change everything. One act of obedience can change your destiny. One step of faith can be the very thing that God uses to position you for a promotion. 
right? We see here, Ruth gets a promotion already, right? She just was gleaning for half a day. All of a sudden, now she's sitting with the reapers. One act of faith. If you know that God's calling you to do something, here's your sign. Do it. If, if God's calling you to move out, move out. If God's calling you to quit a job that's not healthy for you, quit. If God's calling you to go apply for a job, apply. If God's calling you to write a book, write the book. If God's calling you to make music for his glory, make some music, right? If God's calling you to share the gospel with somebody and you know it's heavy on your heart, share it. If God's calling you to repent of specific sexual sins in your life, turn away from those things and turn to him with optimistic faith. One act of obedience opens up so much for your destiny. We see it here on display. This is coming alive in Ruth and Naomi's life. God's kindness opens a door for them that they would have never been able to open themselves. God's kindness helps them explore much more that they had in their life and their destiny to come. I love what Proverbs 11 says. Proverbs 11, verse 17, it says, your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. God's saying that it's something about kindness that's contagious. It's something about kindness that leads to a reward. It's something about kindness that leads to a blessing. And I just wanna encourage you this week to find moments to be kind, to find moments to be a difference maker to find moments to be a light in the darkness, to find moments to shine the light of Christ that people would give glory to your Father in heaven. These random acts of kindness could be a pay-it-forward moment for other people that causes them to have a Naomi-like moment where she went from bitter to blessed. I saw this picture recently of, of, of protests happening in Louisville, and the, the narrative that I read about, it just... It just sparked some, some, um, some joy in me, right? The, the story goes that there was a, a group of police officers that were uh, protecting and serving in this specific area in Louisville where there was protests on display. And for whatever reason, the different police officers got dispatched to different locations and it left one lone police officer by himself in the midst of all the protests. He was there by himself. He was a white police officer. And before you knew it, there was a, a whole band of African-American protesters there that surrounded this police officer and said, we're gonna make sure that nobody touches you. We're gonna make sure that we surround you with kindness right here. We're, we're, the, the, these black men that were protesting said, we're not here to cause you harm or trouble. We're here to just use our voice to ensure and speak out against injustice and oppression. I just thought it was a moment of kindness that we need to see louder on display. I think kindness needs to rise up over right, the darkness. If we can have more acts of kindness, the more powerful it will be. Right? I love the kindness that's shown toward Ruth and Naomi here. There was some kindness shown to my wife and I this past weekend, right? Some friends of ours in the church just decided to show up and drop some otter pops. Come on, somebody, it's hot out, right on our doorstep, right? 
It's motivated us. Who can we bless this week? I want to bless somebody now. I want to show an act of kindness because kindness is contagious, right? That kindness might rub off on somebody. It might open a door. It might make somebody's day. It might change somebody's thinking. Kindness is contagious. Finally, before I close this sermon, I just want to say that it's the kindness of God that makes us see Jesus more clearly. When you think about this phrase, kinsman redeemer, this redeemer who God would use in the life of Ruth and Naomi to set them free to provide protection and healing and to provide security, I don't want us to stop at Boaz. I want us to go deeper to an even better Boaz, and his name is Jesus Christ. I was reading in this ESV study Bible, the Gospel Transformation Study Bible, and it says, Naomi reveals to Ruth that Boaz is a close relative, one of their redeemers. It's the Greek word goel. It's the Hebrew word goel. For them, such a goel holds the promise of help, protection, security, and redemption, and a future hope. The author goes on to say, the same is true to us when we hear for the first time that there exists a redeemer who may save us from our spiritual poverty and hopelessness, who can take away our guilt of sin and its wages of death and give us right standing before God, bringing us into his very family. Oh, he has a name, my friend. This redeemer, this Goel, his name is Jesus, right? Boaz is actually a picture of what Jesus would do to redeem us. That word redeem means to restore. It means to to buy back. It means to put on display in a new and fresh and restorative way. Jesus does that for us, right? He takes our sin on his back. He dies our death that we deserve to die for the wages of sin is death. He sheds his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. He takes our sin into the grave, but he doesn't stay in that grave. He rises from the grave, leaving our sin and our flesh and our death in this grave. He rises and says, everybody, come on, friend, everybody who would believe in him can experience redemption. Everybody who, can, who would believe in him by faith would experience resurrection. That Jesus is the greater Boaz. Boaz is a type of Christ, but he's not Christ. Christ is a better Boaz. Where are we at in this story? We're Ruth. We're the foreigner. We're the outcast. We're Naomi. We're bitter. We're broken. Oh, but we have a greater Boaz in Jesus who rescues us by faith, rescues us by his kindness. Romans 2, 4 says it like this. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that kindness leads you to repentance, that that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Friend, hear me. The thing that's going to lead us to change and turn away from sin is the kindness of God. The fact that he's allowing us to breathe right now is kind. The fact that he woke us up this morning is kind. The fact that he's giving us breath in our lungs, the fact that he died our death, the fact that he died for our sins, the fact that he rose from the grave and he shed his blood is the kindness of God. That should wow us to turn away from sin and say yes to him. And that's what I want to encourage you with. 
that you would turn to the Lord today, that you would experience his kindness. Similar to how it says in Titus chapter 3, when the kindness and love of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us. And he can save you, my friend. And he will save you. And if that's something that you need to do today, you need to respond to God's kindness. You need to respond in repentance. You can be like Ruth and Naomi. You can go back home and you can get right with your God. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And let's go ahead and go to him together. God, you are so kind. God, you are the kind God that we are in need of. And I just pray right now, if anybody watching this online needs to receive you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that they would. I pray that right now they would call upon your name by faith and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, yes, Lord, heal me. Jesus, be kind to me. Save me. I believe I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that my sins have separated me from God and are leading me to eternal hell. But God, you can save me. By your kindness, set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And God, if there's somebody that's watching this right now that knows you as Lord and Savior, but has forgot about your kindness, God, I just pray that you would wow them again. Your kindness is contagious. Use your church to demonstrate radical acts of kindness during this time and beyond. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Abba Father. In your name we pray. Amen.